God, we beseech you together this morning. We ask you, God, we beg of you, oh God, to allow your spirit to saturate the remainder of this service. Bless your word, bless your people, bless your preacher as we explore the truth of this text together. Make our hearts ready and receptive and make our lives responsive. Help me, oh God, to be clear and precise. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been with us for the past several weeks, with the exception of consecration last week. We have been walking through the Gospel of John, and we've been talking about the seven miracles, the seven signs found in the Gospel of John. This morning, we are talking about the fourth sign found in John, the sixth chapter, verses 1 through 15. The, the scripture is rather lengthy. I won't ask you to stand, but if you would find your attention there, I'll be reading it from the English Standard Version. Listen, this is a familiar text. And so oftentimes, when we think there's a familiar text, we think that there's nothing left to be gleaned from the text. So we ask this morning that God gives us fresh insight in a familiar place. John, the sixth chapter, I'll begin reading at verse one. We find these words recorded. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people can eat? Verse 6, and he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get just a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, half the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that had been done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. For the moment that we have together this morning, I simply want to teach lessons I learned from a lad and his lunch. Lessons I learned from a lad and his lunch. Jesus is completely aware of the needs of the people, and he is completely aware of the inadequacies of the people. He knows what you need, and he also knows that you are completely and totally powerless to meet your needs. And he could be aloof and distant. He could be disconnected and unconcerned, but he has 
my brothers and sisters, the text shows us that our God meets our needs as he reveals, first of all, the providence of God. Jesus is really trying to get away here. He's really trying to get some space. He's been in ministry preaching and teaching, and he is God, but he's also human, so his body is tired. And so he tells his disciples, let's go away. And so they cross over to one side of the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd is so enamored with his teaching and in so much in need of his power that they run down the shore to follow him to the other side. And so the Bible says that when he gets to the other side, he sees this crowd coming at him. And Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus begins to teach this crowd. And in the evening, it's time for everybody to go. Passover is closed and, and people have to get ready for the Passover feast, which is in Jerusalem. They got to pack bags and pack children and pack their families and, and they've got to go this long distance back to Jerusalem. But Jesus then has this bright idea. Jesus is going to feed the people. Brothers and sisters, Jesus says, let's, let's feed this crowd. He says, I cannot send them away without giving them some sustenance some substance. I can't send them on a long journey without giving them something to eat. And then Jesus turns to Philip and says, how much money do we have? Uh, uh, where can we buy bread that these people may eat? And Philip says, Lord, 200 denarii isn't enough. A, a denarii is about a day's wage. And Philip is in some way saying to Jesus, Jesus is the son of a carpenter and probably a carpenter by trade. And what we normally translate as a carpenter in our English Bible does not necessarily mean that Jesus worked with wood, but it did mean that Jesus was probably the son of a day laborer. And that carpenter would probably get that day laborer would probably receive about a denarii a day. And so Jesus, he's saying, God, uh, uh, I'm saying, God, wait a minute, that ain't what I'm saying. <laughs> that ain't what I'm saying at all. And so he's saying, Jesus, if you work 200 days, you wouldn't have enough money to get enough bread to give all of these people just a little bit to eat. Text says that Jesus is not asking for information, but rather he's asking because he intends to test Philip. You do know that whenever God asks you a question, it's not because he lacks the answer. Uh, but rather, it's to provide revelation. Whenever Jesus asks a question like, Adam, where are you? Or, or is there anything too hard for God, Abraham? He's asking so that he can expose that there is some deficiency or immaturity in your faith. It's to show you, you, so that he can show you something about him that you don't trust just yet. And so, Philip, listen, I've got a plan for feeding this 
questions and our internal issues raise questions and raise doubts and raise queries about God, but it's not because there's some deficiency or lack of evidence in who God is and what God can do. The issue is a deficiency in our faith. Because the text says, he himself, verse 6, knew what he was going to do. One day I just want to teach this church how to shout on reading the Bible. Jesus asked the question, but he himself knew what he was going to do. There, there's a need. There's there 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And then they don't have enough money. But, but Jesus is not asking Philip for the location of the local bakery because he intends to buy bread. Jesus already had a plan, but he's asking a question to expose the necessity of faith development. Let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, what the text teaches us about the providence of God is that God already has worked out a solution before you had sense enough to even know that you had a problem. Yeah. I wish you would hear me talking here this morning because I'm saying to you that your circumstance has not taken God by surprise, that he has already worked out a plan to rectify your situation before you knew he knew. That was says he knew. I'm saying that God has another job lined up before this job can even let you go. God knows. God already knew how he was going to heal your body before the doctor even told you you were sick before you had a symptom. God already had a healing. God knows what you need. And and while you're scratching your head and staying awake at night to figure things out, God already has a plan. That's what it means. Jesus, in his divine providence, already knows the solution before you had sense enough to figure out that you even have a dog problem. He knows. Before Jesus asked Philip the question, he already knew that there was a lad in the crowd. He, he already knew that the lad had two fish and five loaves of bread. And he knew that the lad was going to be generous enough to give up the two fish and the five loaves. He knew that he was going to make the people sit down. He knew that he was going to pull fish out of fish and bread out of bread. He knew that he was going to fill everybody's belly. And he knew that he would have 12 baskets left over. And can I say that's the same, my brothers and sisters, about your salvation? The truth is that the Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world, before the world was framed, before he breathed breath into Adam's nostrils, before Adam and Eve willfully violated the law of God. God knew he himself had conversation and counsel within his own triune nature, and he knew what he was going to do to rescue you from sin before you committed the sin you needed to be rescued from. He knew that he was going to have to come down through 42 generations. He knew that he would be born through the womb of a virgin named Mary. He knew that he was going to be born in a stable in Bethlehem. He knew that he was going to live a sinless life. He knew that Judas was going to 
such a great need, but the boy had sense enough to know that if I give my lunch to Jesus, Jesus can do all the things in his hands that I can in my hands. And so I'm saying it doesn't matter how small your gift is if you put it in Jesus' hands. Lord gives up his lunch, but the Bible says everybody got full. And so the boy who gives up his lunch still gets to eat. Uh-huh. That somehow you need to get it out of your mouth and if you give, you starve. You, you don't starve because you give. You're starving because you won't give. If you trust God enough to give him your fish and bread, I promise you, you still eat. And I'll need a witness right here. Somebody who can declare that there have been times that I was struggling and I was trying to decide whether or not to give or whether I should hold it back. But you trusted God enough and you sold it and somehow little became much when you placed it in the master's name. There's the providence of God. Text teaches us a picture of generosity and then the text teaches us that there's a paradigm for ministry. Jesus is the fish in the bread. Verse 11, he took the loaves and when he had given
patting you on the back and rubbing your head. You don't need all of that. You just need a word. You don't need to live in a fancy house. You don't need to drive a fancy car. You will learn how to be happy in Jesus alone. Is there anybody in here that can say, I'm happy in Jesus alone? Everybody in the text says, got their feel. Jesus in his divinity again, leaking out the glory that he has tied up in his humanity, somehow circumvents. He, he sidesteps. He, he steps over his own ordained creative process for multiplication. Let me check it out for you. Here it is. Because fish are supposed to lay eggs. And then the fish fertilize their eggs. And there's a period of gestation and then hatching. And then they have to grow up to become large enough fish to eat. Bread is supposed to begin with small grain planted in the ground, tilled and watched over rain. It's supposed to fall at the beginning of the planting and rain must fall several months later at the end of planting to bring up the stalks and bring up the weak head to its full maturity. And then someone has to come and reap the wheat and sift it from the chaff. And then somebody has to grind it and mix it and bake it. And Jesus said, I ain't got time for all of that. I'm too much God and there's too much need. I've got to step over some processes and hasten some realities so that you can get your needs met. And I want to tell somebody in here today that you don't need to get it the way some other folks have gotten it because sometimes Jesus presses the fast forward button in your life to manifest his power. Everybody got full. Ain't no fish head to hatch. Ain't no we have to grow. Everybody got full. And we can shout right there and leave the text alone, but that's not it. There's something else in the text because then there were 12 baskets left. Jesus says, go get the fragments that remain. In other words, go get what other folks consider waste. And let's use it. Let's gather it all up. And the Bible says that there are 12 baskets full of leftover bread. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundaries that are known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. That's what the text is trying to say. Your belly may be full today, but you shouldn't leave here this morning without a basket. And matter of fact, shake somebody's hand and tell them, neighbor, I ain't leaving without a basket today. Yeah. 
Since 